second scripture is from Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. Thanks, Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, in the hosannas and the tumult of Palm Sunday, quiet every voice in this moment but thine own, that we might hear and experience your word and experiencing your word be transformed, that we might go out and proclaim your good news with our whole lives. Amen. This morning's scripture is full of sights and sounds and movement. There's so much going on. It's one of those handfuls of scripture that we actually enact in worship. Jesus enters into Jerusalem with the people waving palms, and we wave palms to Hosanna in the highest. We read this scripture not only with the words on the page and the story spoken aloud, but with our bodies. We proclaim Hosanna just like they did with the whole of us. It is an embodied, visceral moment. The excitement builds as the procession moves forward. It starts with two disciples sent quietly ahead to untie and retrieve a colt, a donkey. They find the colt just as Jesus had promised. They untie it. The owners stop them, but as instructed, the disciples say, the Lord needs it. And the owners let the colt go. The disciples put their cloaks on the colt, and then they put Jesus on the colt, and they start to move toward Jerusalem. 
Maybe it starts with just a murmur. Folks see this odd procession. What's going on? They see Jesus and they remember the healings and the miracles they have seen and word spreads and the crowd begins to gather and the volume builds. Scripture says that they begin to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they have seen. As we know from the other Gospels, they then begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save or deliver. Hosanna, they shout, praising Jesus as King. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of our God. They shout for peace in a world of empire and violence. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It is a full-on parade by this point, praising, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, the noise of the crowd builds as they head toward the city so loud that it can be heard on into Jerusalem. And the Pharisees wake up. Wait. Shh. Shh. This is dangerous. Don't forget where you are. Don't forget who we are. Rome will hear you. Shh, Jesus, they say, make your disciples stop. And through the cacophony of the crowd, Jesus says, if these keep quiet, even the stones will shout. This moment is so full to overflowing all the joy, all the anticipation, all the pent-up longing for freedom. If you could somehow silence and bottle up this crowd, even the stones would shout. Now the first thing you might say is, but stones don't shout. Well, exactly. But beyond that, the question I want to ask is this. Even the stones will shout out, what will the stones shout? What will the stones shout? Will they shout, Hosanna? This is a celebrating, liberating moment. Will the stones shout out, joining in the praise? What's happening here isn't random. Everything we see and hear in this moment reaches deep into the history of Israel, deep into the history of a people longing to be free. In Zechariah, the prophet writes, Rejoice greatly, daughters of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And all those hosannas and the blessing, they echo the Psalms. Oh, give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I might enter through them and give thanks to God I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O God. Blessed. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God. This is a salvific moment. If you silence these voices, even the stones will shout. What will they shout? Will they shout in protest? Because let's be clear, shouting for the raising up of a new king means the bringing down of the current one. To the ears of those in power, it's beyond protest. It is sedition. It is treason. 
Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan imagine two processions. On one end of town, they imagine the procession of Pilate into Jerusalem. Pilate is the representative of Rome sent to this backwater of empire as the crowds are flowing in for Passover. He's sent there to make sure that those crowds don't get out of hand and to stop any uprising from rising up. Imagine the horses and the troops and the armor and the weaponry as Pilate processes in in what someone has called the gaudy glory of empire. And then here, across town, this Jesus comes riding in on a colt in a people's procession as the crowd spreads their cloaks on the road, shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of our God. The Pharisees get this. They know why the imperial presence in Jerusalem has been reinforced. They know what happens when crowds gather, shouting, proclaiming a new king. They know what powers do. Stephanie Buchanan Crowder points out that as the visibility of a protest increases, so does the threat to the powers, and so does the danger that the powers will react with violence. She points to how that was true for Martin Luther King Jr. and for Medgar Evers and for the Freedom Riders. To that, I might add that the Pharisees aren't all that different from those liberal white pastors and rabbis in Birmingham who wrote to Dr. King and said, don't come to Birmingham, not now. You will provoke the powers with your protest. Don't come here with folks shouting so loudly, the time isn't right. To which we know Dr. King responded from the cell where the powers had jailed him. I have come to Birmingham because injustice is here. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. The time is always ripe to do right. If you silence these voices, even the stones will shout. Even the stones will shout. What will they shout? Will they shout lament? Because that's what Jesus does. Just after this morning scripture, just after Jesus says the stones will shout, Jesus turns the corner and sees Jerusalem before him and he cries out in lament, O Jerusalem, if you, even you had known on this day what would bring you peace, Jesus sees, he sees the destruction that this world of power over and violence will bring. And he cries out, and he weeps for Jerusalem and for all its people. We know the trajectory of Holy Week. Here on this threshold of Holy Week, we know what lies ahead. Jesus will enter into Jerusalem. He will go to the temple and find it turned into a marketplace, and he will turn the tables over. Jesus will continue to teach and proclaim God, turning the world right side up. He will proclaim the truth of God's new creation in the presence of the powers that oppress, and they will close in on him. 
Jesus will gather his friends at a table among them, those who will betray, deny, and desert him. He will go to that garden and he will pray in agony and the powers will come for him. And they'll arrest him. They will try him, beat him, and crucify him as those crowds, those crowds now caught up in the violence of power over, will cheer the powers on. In this moment, as Jerusalem comes into full view, Jesus knows what the powers do. Jesus knows the inevitability of the days to come, and even beyond that, he can see the destruction that will come to Jerusalem from continued imperial occupation and war. Years later, that temple will be burned to the ground. Oh, Jerusalem. If you had only known this day what will bring you peace, they will hem you in on every side. They will not leave one stone on another. If you silence these voices, even the stones will shout. We don't have to strain too hard in these days, in our days, to imagine what the destruction of violence and war and power over looks like. We have watched the news this week. We see the destruction in Ukraine. We are witnesses to atrocities, to the slaughter of innocents, to the war crimes of an empire gone mad. Can you hear the stones shouting? I sure can. As we stand here in the midst of Palm Sunday and the Pharisees try to hush the crowd, as we see with Jesus the expanse of Holy Week that lies ahead, as we hear Jesus, if you silence these voices, even these stones will shout as praise gets all tangled up with protest and lament. In the fullness of this moment, what we see and what we experience is Christ filled to the fullness of humanity as we are filled to the fullness of Christ's. As we move into the fullness of Holy Week, we've brought some stones. Some stones here, they'll be in a basket in the narthex after worship. As you move into this week in prayer, you can take one of those stones with you or maybe go for a walk this week and find a stone of your own to remember and to carry this question with us as we pray. Even the stones would shout. What would the stones shout? I'm so grateful that the Reverend Ashley D. Tarbert could come and preach with us last week. As I mentioned, she is a part of the liturgical artist collective that has invited us into our Lenten theme, into an expansive Lent to consider how in Jesus Christ we are full to the brim. When Ashley looks at this scripture, here are some of the questions that she asks, and I share them with you with us for our prayer this week. 
What is it in this moment that can't be silenced? What must be said? What is bubbling up in you? What's bubbling up in you that you need to give voice? If these stones would shout, what would they say? We know the trajectory of Holy Week. We know that Palm Sunday leads on to Maundy Thursday and the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane and then on to Good Friday and the cross. And then hope beyond hope to Easter morning. In the fullness of Holy Week, what will these stones shout? Will they shout praise and protest and lament? And then out of the experience of oppression in the face of the powers and suffering in the silence that follows crucifixion, will they somehow shout life out of the depths just before the dawn of the third day will the stones shout life as they roll themselves away from the mouth of the tomb so that the one who has entered into our struggle even unto death might walk us out into life we come to this threshold of holy week and we tell this story again not just words on a page but a living word amid the hosannas and the protest and the pain and the lament we stand with jesus and we look on out into the fullness of holy week and know that somehow somehow everything everything that lies ahead is life 